brother David here, he's going to come and minister to us in Jesus' name. God bless him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I uh, <clears throat> agree. I don't know that I like the new normal either. Uh, and I would say that uh, there is not all new normals are bad. You know, there was a time that <clears throat> I hadn't repented, I hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, I hadn't received the Holy Ghost. When those things happened, there was a new normal. That's a good thing. And so today is a great day. If you've not experienced that new normal or if you've gotten in a rut that has become normal for you, that you can establish a new normal today. And so uh, we'll get in. We've got, you know, pastor's normal uh, slides in here. We're growing. And so... Uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, we celebrated uh, one of the key dates in uh, Pentecostal apostolic experience, and that would be Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the foundational elements of the apostolic doctrine, and it was established on that day in Peter, when Peter got up in Acts uh, 2.38. And said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He continues on saying, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter continues speaking and they kind of classify it or characterize it as with many words. Um, so, if you didn't like, if you don't like long-winded preachers, I don't know that you would have liked Peter on that day. Uh, but uh, most of us know what happens next, uh, but it's worth referencing that many gladly received what Peter had to say that day and were baptized. And... We know the Bible says that about 3,000 were added to the church that day. I don't know what 3,000 people getting baptized look, looks like. Um, you know, many of us have experienced the feeling of the cancellation of that debt that occurs when we go down in Jesus' name and come up a new creature. Um, but I, I, it is... Uh, amazing to me that 3,000 people would decide in one day to go and get baptized. And, and I've not seen, but a, a few years ago, we got to go to Israel and uh, we went and did a baptism in the Jordan River. And to be honest, I wasn't necessarily all excited to go do that. Wasn't even sure if I was going to do it. Uh, but did it, and uh, it was, I've been baptized before, so it wasn't, uh, you know, that initial uh, baptism, but there was something there, and here's a picture of us actually down uh, in the Jordan River, and there's, there's about 30 or so that total that got in there, and so... This, it was one of the most amazing experiences. I know we get to come up here and one person's in the water and the family's around it and that's wonderful. But to see this many people, and this was just one baptismal place. They had multiple places along the embankment in this location. And so you see a baptism group happening over here and a baptism group happening over here and a baptism group happening over here. So you could have... Uh, a couple hundred people being baptized in one location and it was just incredible to see uh, what that experience was. 
And uh, it, it didn't matter. Uh, we, there were people who were speaking Russian that were there. Uh, there were groups from other denominations that were there. And, and they were just, uh, it was almost, um, uh, obviously received the Holy Ghost, but it's, as soon as you start walking down the stairs to get in the water, you're just, you're in the moment. It, 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 you're just experiencing what it is to be there. And so it, it is uh, very profound that so many people on that one day would decide just by hearing this word, again, this is the first time this had been spoken to the general population. I know as a child and even as adult, uh, I don't always get things the first time that I'm told them. So the fact that 3,000 people got it and bought in is pretty incredible. And so I want to get back a little bit to the verses that we were reading. And so we, we've, we've gone through Pentecost and I wanted to kind of explore, well, what, what did they do after? You know, because a lot of times we have these moments and they're powerful and it's that flash and we're excited and whether it's church camp or a youth rally or an evangelistic service or something like that that gets us excited, but how do we push through and continue on and uh, how do we continue steadfastly uh, or steadfastly persevere? And you may wonder why there's an A in parentheses there. Um, in the King James, they spell steadfastly, S-T-E-D-F-A-S-T-L-Y. Today, we spell it S-T-E-A-D-F-A-S-T-L-Y. So I didn't want you to think that it was a typo. Uh, but King James uh, uses it that way. So that's what's there. Uh, but when we continue looking down into Acts, Acts 2 uh, and 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Uh, in the Amplified, it says, And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves consistently to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayers. So when I look at that verse, I see three things that they did after they had this experience where they heard the words, they heard the plan of salvation, and uh, they got baptized, and then what did they do next? So there were three things. They took scriptural instruction and fellowship. Uh, they sat under an authority and connected to the body, uh, broke bread like the Lord's Supper. So in today's words, we would say they got in the word and they understood the why and they figured out how to apply it. And then third, they were in prayer. They were communicating in the Lord, with the Lord uh, on a regular basis. But what's the point in doing all of those things? You know, with everything going on today, you know, we think about, ah, you know, I've, I've gone to church all my life. I've stayed connected with people. I read the Bible. I do communion when we have it. I pray. Everything seems crazy. We got COVID still going on. We've got... Uh, murder hornets that are somewhere. We've got riots going on. We have injustices going on. It's crazy. And those things aren't just happening in America. They're happening all over the world. People are losing their mind. Uh, and it is, it can be uh, unsettling, unnerving. Uh, but guess what? When this message was preached, 2,000 years ago, it was a crazy time. I mean, imagine being an apostle and you've just, you've left your job 
to follow some random guy that came up and said, hey, put down your fishing nets and come follow me. And he just did that for three years. And then he dies. And then he comes back to, to, to life and you're like, whoo, yes, all right. It's not all lost. And then he says, hey, I got to leave again, uh, but I'll be back soon, but go wait in this room. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I've said it many times before. Uh, I don't know that I would have made it, you know. You know, you know I, hope, I know that the Lord called and chose each one of them. Uh, and they had, just like he's called and chosen each one of us. Uh, and I hope uh, that I would have uh, stayed true and had the faith, uh, even though it probably would have wavered, just like all of them. Uh, but he uh, tells them, got to go, they leave. Their world is kind of shattered. They're in turmoil. They've just lost one of the apostles who betrayed them. They find out different things about him. They've got a government that oppresses them and has dominion over them. They've got uh, people that are saying what they believe uh, is stupid or maybe isn't true. It's kind of eerie how there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, here we are 2,000 years later, and our church is called Christian Apostolic Church. And that's because of the doctrine that was established here. And so, uh, the point of why we do all of this stuff is fairly easy. Uh, and, and that's to just show Jesus and his love to as many people as we can. John twelve thirty two says, and if I... And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the Amplified, it goes on to say, And I, if and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw and attract all men, Gentiles as well as Jews, to myself. This is a message of unity. This is a message of when we... Something happens when we're in one place, and luckily we get to be in one place once again. But even when we're in one accord and in, in one mind, there's something that happens. The Spirit of the Lord moves. And in this hour, if the church, if the body can get in one mind and one accord whether we're Gentiles or whether we're Jews or whether we're black or whether we're white or whether we're Asian or whether we are uh, rich or poor or middle class or upper middle class or middle middle class or middle middle sub middle. Whatever we are, if we can get together because this apostolic doctrine that we were founded on is the same yesterday, today, and forever... There's continuity, there's unity in this message. It doesn't change, it doesn't cater to what's going on right now. Or what has gone on in the past, or believe it or not, there's a whole lot worse stuff coming down the pipeline if you've read Revelation. But guess what? The word and the message and the doctrine is still going to be the same. So... Uh, when we look at that story of 3,000 people, you know, there's not a figure of how many people were present. You know, today we want to say, you know, you could look at statistics of COVID and you can say, well, there's over a million people that have it, and, but there are 326 million people in the United States. Okay? Those are numbers. <clears throat> Bible could have easily said 3,000 people heard, gladly heard the word, but there were 4 billion people there that day. And if you heard that number, you'd be like, oh, well, only 3,000 people? But when we talk about salvation and when we talk about, when you, when you hear that in the Bible, uh, it's more in an additive way. And that, that is, uh, I don't think, uh, an error or an issue because... 
the Bible's filled with poor situations where people had failures, faults, uh, where uh, they had trials, temptations, they felt defeat or loss. I mean, it starts at the very beginning with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. King David lied, killed, lusted, you name it, he probably did it. Samson had it all, lost it all. Job was a righteous man. So if you want to say, ah, oh, well, David was, you know, a little bit of a seedy creature. Uh, but Job was a righteous man and lost everything. Uh, then you've got Jesus, a perfect man, lives faultless, blameless, dies on the cross. And we know that it doesn't end there. But uh, when it comes to salvation, the context is, is almost always an additive measure. So that example, 3,000 were added on the day of Pentecost. When Cornelius sought out, all in his house, in the upper room, all were filled. Through it all, the Lord is glorified and lifted up, whether it's going through a trial, temptation, uh, or defeat or loss. The Lord still got edified and lifted up in every single one of those poor situations, just like he gets lifted up in these positive ones. And uh, despite all of these, Peter goes on to talk about the power and the authority that occurs in a supernatural way when you have this experience and when you carry it through and you get into uh, this steadfast perseverance or you continue steadfastly in the gospel. And supernatural, it's not superpowers. It's saying super, it's above natural. So we are operating on a different level, and we have somebody operating on a different level than this world. The world is down here. Stuff's going on down here. The Lord's not affected by it. He's working supernatural. He's above that. But unfortunately, we're pilgrims here in the world, and we cannot, and most of the time we do not, uh, always stay where we should. We don't stay in line. Uh, and that old nasty flesh catches up with us daily, and we've got to fight it back. A uh, pastor talked uh, a week or so ago uh, about the importance of those first fruits. And the same was the case back then, and we, we must offer those today. It's important that we establish that relationship and we make it a priority, uh, especially in these times. Because if we're going to make it in this hour, we have to do our best to make sure we're continually renewing ourselves and that we do that with these three things. So... We're going to dive in and talk a little bit about each of these three things. Uh, so, that first one, scriptural instruction and fellowship. We need pastors and we need spiritual leaders. You should have a pastor and spiritual leaders in your life. Ephesians 4.11, this is the, the five-fold Ministry here, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. All of these inputs we need to have in our life if we're going to sustain and we're going to continue steadfastly in the experience that we had. Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. While the good book gives us that, we need a shepherd, and the, 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 the words pastors here, uh, are, if you go back to the Greek, are actually translated as shepherd. And so you have to have 
those types of influences in your life because you can easily uh, get off base uh, if you just read one verse or you read a verse out of context or you decide that uh, you're only going to accept uh, this part of the verse. Um, and there are lots of people that fall susceptible to that trap. And it is important that there is some type of authority that uh, is over you. And, and, and guess what? While most pastors are supposed to be good, they're not all good. But guess what? The Lord still put them there. And he'll take them away in due time, just like I think we can all agree. Not all governments are good. But the Bible clearly says he establishes them. He puts them up and he tears them down. And so... We have to have the faith to know that no matter what we're doing, I mean, we've, we've got up, I've heard uh, many sermons that uh, I don't always know what is being talked about. You may feel that way right now. But, or somebody may say something or they may uh, be boring, uh, but regardless, anytime you're talking about the apostolic doctrine and something that is cemented in the Bible, there is something that you can get out of it and that you can apply to your life. And it is important that you try and find that every opportunity that you get. Goes on in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The Amplified, uh, towards the end, says, uh, essentially says, uh, I'll, I'll use, uh, I guess, the message, the message paraphrasing uh, of this would be, um, don't be a jerk. Understand that your pastor or your spiritual leader is trying to do something in your best interest. They have your soul in mind, and you may not want to hear it. It may not feel good to hear it. There's plenty of times uh, that I have had to hear things that I didn't want. Uh, and some of them uh, can come from even two small little creatures uh, that... Uh, are over here. They can just make a comment and like that uh, it, it can be convict convicting. You know, I, I can play, I've confessed numerous times to enjoying mobile gaming and it is, it is a frequent occasion that Tegan will come in and see that I'm playing a game. Oh, sorry daddy, I don't want to bother your game. And she doesn't mean it in a bad way, but it checks you. Because it says, ah, the fact that she thinks that this game is more important, and if she has a question or something that, uh, oh, I'll come back. I don't want to disturb you while you're having recreational time. Those aren't things that I want to hear or feel. But, out of the mouths of babes, you can even gain instruction. Out of a loving comment, she was able to chastise me. So, uh, and most little girls are very good at that. They're very good, especially with their daddy, at chastising them in a very loving manner. And so, uh, it can get tough though. You know, when we don't listen to our pastors, to our spiritual leaders, there's some responsibility and accountability that goes on us. Second Thessalonians three fourteen through 15 says, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, 
and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Ooh, that's cold. That's terrible. That's mean. It's hard. Yet, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. In today's hour, there's a lot of do what you want, do what makes you feel good, it's okay. There is right and there's wrong. But there's also love. And that there, there's a way that you go about these things. Uh, and we must not compromise or pervert uh, the apostles' doctrine. As it's already been mentioned, it's the same yesterday, today, and it will be the same forever. And too many times today, they want to take hard comments like this and say, no, no, we, we, we want, I, I can choose not to acknowledge that 2 Thessalonians 3.14 exists. And I can say, I can be doing wrong, and I can say, ah. Oh, I can just get offended by someone, you know, if, I, if I've done something wrong or I'm doing something don't, they don't agree with, I can get offended and say, ah, oh, that verse doesn't matter to me. And, but when you have scriptural instruction, you're able to check that spirit and say, ah, oh, no, I'm not supposed to be offended. I've done something wrong, and hopefully that brother or sister will admonish me and help me and encourage me to get through that. And they'll do that in a loving manner. And uh, we have to maintain that connection with someone uh, so that we show the care and the love that the Lord has for us. Because how many times have I not obeyed the word? And yet every time that I come back, the Lord's still there. Yes. Yes. He, he may not be right up next to me, but he, he's maybe within a social distance <laughs> of, you know, if I'm not doing right, he's in a social distance of the moment I say, boom, I'm right here. And he's ready to bring us back. And that's exactly what we need to do for our brothers and sisters is be there, be available. Uh, it doesn't mean that we endorse or condone what's going on, but we're there to admonish and encourage and, and help them. And 2020, uh, for me, has been a, a year of personal growth, whether it is uh, spiritually, uh, in the secular realm, um, and hopefully it's been that way for you. Uh, I don't know that, I mean, I would like to say that every year I'm always improving and getting better. Uh, but I would say that COVID uh, exponentially increased growth because we were forced uh, to be in isolation. We were forced to be disconnected. We were forced uh, to immediately work from home and be disconnected from our coworkers, and uh, a lot of teachers are, are out here and they were disconnected from their students and um, you may have clients and you were disconnected from your clients but it, it is it has been transformative to understand that while we haven't been able to gather together tracking the numbers online and seeing the engagement of things that we have has been extremely encouraging and I know that we've been limited to 10 or less for a long time but I am so grateful that we live in the day that we live in today where I don't have to go to a physical location in order to feel the presence of God, but I can just raise my hands wherever I'm at. I don't, I don't have to be close to something. It's not the Western Wall where, where I just am trying to get close to where the presence of the Lord once dwelt, but I can be right here. I can go to my closet. I can go, I can be in the grocery and just be muttering under my breath and, and, and praising the Lord, and, and he can meet me right there. 
It, it is... Uh, just at the mention of his name, he's there. And you're never alone. But you also do have to have the body. Fellowship is important. This first one is scriptural instruction and fellowship. They piece those together. Hebrews 10.25, it's a verse we, we quote. Many times, not forsaking the assembling of the saints of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. I don't know if Jesus is coming back in three days, if he's coming back in three years, if it's 30 years. All I know is whatever date it is, we're closer to it than we were 2,000 years ago. We're closer to it than we were yesterday. We're closer to it than we were a year ago. And so more and more and more we should be fellowshipping. And, and in these fellowships, what you're supposed to be talking about are things that edify and extort you. Extol you. So... Uh, 2 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. And it adds in there, even as ye also ye do. That means you're already doing it. Keep doing it. And uh, it is uh, important that we remember that The second thing uh, that was in that was breaking of bread. And this is that uh, today, um, you know, we've, we've got the synonym of bread with the word. Um, and the Amplified uh, adds in that, that verse 42, um, including the Lord's Supper. And... Obviously, eating is an important thing. You can't live without eating. But they included that little piece around the Lord's Supper because it's not just about reading the Scripture. I can tell you I've read many textbooks in my life about the only words that I can remember in those textbooks, I'm sure most of them have the, a, this, that, when, where. Uh, but when it comes to actually what they were teaching, most of that's gone. And that comes with not, not always understanding or caring about the why. Sure, there are certain things that I remember that I use every day uh, that I learned in a textbook. Uh, but it is important that we understand the why behind it and figure out how we can apply it. And so we've got to develop a habit of getting into the Word and not just getting into it, but understanding the why and how we apply it to our lives. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and all of those things in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Psalms 199.11 says, The word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It's important that we don't just read the word, but we understand why it's important. A lot of today, you know, there are issues going on and, uh, you know, there are, you can say, well, this is what it says, but they were meaning something completely different or the intention of something was much different. And so we've got to be able to dive down deeper into what the word is and again, that's under the context of being under authority and spiritual leaders and getting that instruction. Uh, but we've got to apply that. 
Matthew 4, 4 goes on to say, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The old adage of garbage in, garbage out. What bread are you or have you been eating? Yes. Your direct reflection of the inputs you take in. If I choose to read uh, textbooks, when you have a conversation with me, you're probably going to hear about what I read in the textbook. If I choose to read some fictional novel, uh, and that's all that I devote my, my time to, when we have a conversation, you're going to hear about fictional uh, fantasy type things. If I'm devoted and I'm in the Word of God and I'm ingesting that bread, no matter whether you are a brother or sister in Christ or you're just a person out in the world, our conversation is going to revolve around what? And a lot of times those comments are going to be positive. They're going to be lifting up the Lord. And we read earlier that I... If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so it is important that what we're putting in, the nutrients that we get from that Bible reading, that that is what is, is coming out in our conversations. John 6 and 35, it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There must become a transition of feeding on the bread to applying those nutrients of the bread into your life. You, you've got, we've got to make that leap. If you're going to take Pentecost Sunday experience and you're going to continue it steadfastly, you're going to persevere in these times, you've got to be able to take the word and you've got to be able to apply it to your life and understand it because that's what's going to get you through. 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, A cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper, which upon we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in the drinking of it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ, the Messiah? The bread which we break... Does it not mean that in the eating we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? We can't just hear or read the word, but we've got to look at how we apply it to our lives and live that out. It must become personal. If it's not personal, A, you may not even have the experience. But you're not going to be able to sustain it or keep refreshing it or moving it on. We're getting close. We're on the last one. Prayer. So this is direct communication with God. This is our avenue where, you know, we've heard from our spiritual leaders, that pastoral instruction. We get that. We also have... Uh, the Bible that we can get information and instruction from. And we also have a direct link where we can talk to the Lord, pray to him, and he can talk to us and impress us. And it's fairly simple. We want to say how often should we do it. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Yes, we know that that's not technically possible. We must stop praying at some point. Otherwise, we, we can't have a conversation with an individual. I mean, it would be just wonderful if we're all just walking around praying. And yeah, maybe we wouldn't have, uh, we have all the issues that we have today if we all just prayed all the time. Somebody couldn't say something to offend somebody else. You know, you're just praying. You're lifting the Lord up. You're praising him. Maybe our words should be that. 
but Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So, here it's, you know, when, when the apostles and those that believed, uh, it wasn't that they were constantly praying, but every decision, everything that they were talking about, every instruction that they were given, and being and giving, they were praying about it. Is it, Lord, lead me? Is this, is this what we should do? Lord, prepare the way. We've got to get out in front. You know, when we go to work, are we praying, Lord, I don't know what I'm walking into today. Lord, pave the way. When I'm going, when my children are going to go to school or they're going to go somewhere, am I laying the foundation? If my spouse is going somewhere, am I laying the foundation? Be careful for nothing. That means don't take anything for granted. Jeremiah 29.12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I'll hearken unto you. I have to be willing to spend the time with him, so he will spend the time with me. And then he'll heed. Hearken or heed there means that he pays close attention. And sometimes we need a little bit of help praying. Matthew 26, 41, it says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When you've been separated, cut off from fellowship, from instruction, from outside uh, interactions, the old saying is idle hands. And so we've got to watch and pray. And we've got to make sure that this is that buffer. This is that time where we can make a connection. Whether or not we can make a connection with a physical person, we can make a, a, a connection with the Creator. And He can speak into our lives and He can make sure that we don't fail that test, that trial, that temptation. And uh, it goes on in Romans 8.26 to say, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's why it's important to pray in the Holy Ghost. Because sometimes I want a million dollars, but Jesus knows that I just need a bill paid. Or Jesus knows that uh, I just need some pain taken away. Or guess what? He may say, you know what? You don't actually need anything. But I'm going to have you pray for this other situation over here. You're not going to know about it. Because that person doesn't know what to pray for or know what they need to. And you're interceding. And the Spirit's interceding with you on their behalf or on your behalf. In Luke 18, 1, it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you don't know what parable, this is the, the parable of the unjust judge and the widow. Uh, and basically, it, it goes on, the, the judge doesn't really care, but the widow keeps annoying him, keeps bothering him. And he says, okay, you know what, just to shut her up, I'm going to avenge her. And she's done. It goes on, and you know, is God unjust? Absolutely not. So how much more will he hear and advocate for his elect? So when we petition the Lord and we're praying, he's going to justly deliver uh, what we're requesting. Uh, if it's in his will, uh, it, it, it's going to happen. And he's going to make a way. It's not always in our time. Most of the time, it's not, not in our time because we're a, 
it's my money and I need it now. You know, kind of, kind of moment. But what I have noticed over time of asking and petitioning the Lord that I feel I need this, I need this, I need this. And uh, it's, it's wait or no and then something happens and it's like, wow, well that worked out. Better than even what I was thinking it was going to happen. And, and that is exactly how it works. But again, it's establishing that relationship. It's making sure that you've got, uh, that, that you're practicing these three things. And so we're just going to recap real quick those three things. You've got to become devoted to scriptural instruction and fellowship. That means you've got to be under authority and you've got to be connected to a body. All of you are here today. If you're watching online, you're doing those things as well. If you're just passing by or this is your first time, here's your sign. <laughs> you got to maintain breaking of bread and communion. Just because you read the Bible 30 years ago, 3 years ago, last year, doesn't mean that you don't have to read it now. And you've got to have communion. You've got to have the word with the why to apply. And you've got to approach everything with prayer. You've got to have that direct communication with God. And there are three coverings uh, that are kind of here uh, that I notice. So you have earthly leadership. You've got a covering there. Your pastor, your spiritual leader. You have a legacy covering. You've got the word of God that's there. It's written in stone. Guess what? When heaven and earth pass away, the legacy, the word, will still stand. And then that last one is you have in the moment covering when you have communication with the Lord. And, uh, you know, if this is your first time hearing Acts 2.38, I invite you to experience it and take that first step of repentance today. And you may say, how did continually, steadfastly persevering, you know, how does that really tie in? And when I was reading through some scriptures, some others came to mind. And uh, thought about some things. And so Luke 15, 10, it says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. It's exciting. Repentance is wonderful. But I thought to myself, baptism's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that you can have faith, you can go into, under some water, it's not any special water, and you can come up, you can be washed clean, you can be a new creature in Christ. Like, that's pretty awesome. Man, I wonder what they do for that. I mean, then we're not even talking about, like, getting the Holy Ghost. Like, like the Holy Ghost is amazing. Uh, nothing better than it. Then I guess, in the context of this, something kind of clicked in my mind. Uh, that no matter if today is the first time you're repenting, or if you've had the Holy Ghost for 60 years... We're all sinners. We know that Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and, fall and come short of the glory of God. 1 Corinthians uh, goes on and says, I protest by your rejoicing that I have in Christ our Lord, I die daily. It's a daily thing. Jesus responded to Peter's question about forgiveness of sins of the brethren against him. And Peter said, am I supposed to forgive my brother seven times? You know, for me it was, that's in one day. And so I thought to myself, okay, well at bare minimum, I'm supposed to forgive the same person seven times in one day. That, that's already quite a few chances. Uh, but Jesus said, no, multiply that by 70. 
That's 490 times in a day that you're supposed to forgive. And I would like to think that I don't commit 490 sins in a day, but I'm not always the most intelligent or emotionally aware person, and so I'm sure that I offend or mess up all sorts of times. I'm glad that there's a number 490 that seems unreachable that I'm covered. So why does that matter? And how does that connect to steadfastly persevering? I think the angels rejoice over repentance. And one sinner repenting because we're all that. We can't have forgiveness without repentance or an acknowledgement of sin. So, what, why do the angels rejoice? They get happy because whether it's your first time repenting, or whether it's your 490th time, or whether it, you just got the Holy Ghost, or whether you've had it for 62 years, what an angel sees when a sinner is repenting is that's somebody who's pressing. That's somebody who's pushing. That's somebody who's steadfastly, regardless of what situation or circumstance they're going through, they're still pushing. They're saying, I'm holding on to the promises that he gave me. I'm going to push forward, and I'm going to keep pressing towards that mark. And we let's stand, and we're going to get ready to, uh, if you've not, had the opportunity to repent today. If you've not repented in a while, if you've already repented seven times today, now's an opportunity. And guess what? The angels in heaven are going to rejoice for every single one of us. And they're going to be praising. And that praise is going to fill the heavens. And, And hopefully those heavenly places will open up and his spirit can pour down and fill each of us today. Lord bless you. Praise God for his word. Thank the Lord. It's always good to hear the word of the Lord. And we are so privileged that right where you...